We're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 25 this morning. When Abby preached a couple weeks ago, she was wrestling with a few different passages, and uh, I really wanted her to preach this passage, but she said uh, she thought it was for me, so I got this passage. <laughs> Matthew 25, and we're going to talk about what you're doing with what you got. And we're going to be talking about a uh, kingdom principle that comes out of this passage. And the principle is this. And when you are faithful with what you have, more will be given to you. When you are faithful with what you have, more will be given to you. And we have this tendency sometimes in our life to be uh, sometimes unhappy with what we have. Because it's very easy to look around and look at everybody else who has more. Uh, they have more ability, they have more skill, they have more talent, they have more ministry ability, they have more money, uh, they got a better job. And it's very easy to look around what everybody else has and then you look at what you have and you just kind of sit there and complain and say, well, if I just had that, I could get ahead. If I was just there, then maybe I could do something in life. And, you know, complaining actually doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, complaining doesn't get you anywhere. It just kind of sends you backwards. And God's not looking at you and saying, way to go. Just complain your brains out. That's so awesome that you're just complaining. God is looking at us and saying, yeah, I know those people have more than you do, but, but what are you doing with what you have? Now, what you doing with what you got? And that's where we need to start. And the reality is this kingdom principle says that when you are faithful with what you have, even if it is tiny, when you are faithful with it, God will tend to add more to you. And there's a whole parable on this subject in Matthew chapter 25. And Jesus in this passage is teaching about the kingdom. He's teaching kingdom principles. And, uh, and so he says this. Again, it will be, he's talking about the kingdom, the kingdom will be like, like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, back in those days, uh, masters would not usually entrust their wealth to servants, but this guy does. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So he takes all his money, and he divides it up to his these three different servants, and each gets a different amount. And... Uh, he gives these, as the NIV says, bags of gold. If you have another translation, it'll say talents. The Greek word is actually talent here. And he gave them a lot. Uh, if you do some calculations today, a, a, a New Testament talent was about 35 kilograms. Now, if you're one of those pound people, you've got to convert that. Uh, but do you know a kilogram of gold is worth about $39,500? Wouldn't it be awesome to have one of those? Yeah. Uh, one kilogram... And so the guy who gets five bags of gold was given about $7 million. Wow. The guy who got two bags of gold or two talents was about $2.8 million. And the guy who got one, he gets $1.4 million. So this master does. He, he gifts these servants with an incredible amount of money. Now, these servants, they didn't deserve it at all. I mean, they were servants. Back in those days, servants were servants, masters were masters. It was kind of one of those societies where you stayed within your class for the whole life and your kids stayed within that class. I mean, these, uh, this gift was totally undeserved. But it was this incredible gift that the master gives to uh, his servants. And this is a picture because it's teaching kingdom principles. How the master, God, gives us gifts. And often we don't deserve those gifts but he gives them to us 
as this gift. We are entrusted with gifts, and all of us have different talents. In fact, you know our word talent that we use? You know, he's so talented, or I think it's a TV show with something about who's got talent, or what is it called? America's got talent. America's got talent. I mean, that word, it actually comes, if you trace the English back, it actually comes from this parable. Uh, that's actually where our word comes from, because God hands out talents, he hands out skills, he hands out abilities, he hands these different things out to us. Uh, we're all gifted, just as these servants were gifted, and they're gifted in a way that these servants didn't deserve it, and often we don't deserve these gifts that we've been given. Ephesians 2 says we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Our Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Uh, you are all wired differently. You're not to be the same. That's why it's always bad to get in the comparison trap. But there are certain gifts, talents, abilities, skills, positions, influences that God has given you as a gift. And he gives these to us as a gift so that we might serve in his kingdom. And sometimes when we think about receiving these gifts, sometimes we're like, I don't think that was a gift. I earned it. You know, the reason why I'm skilled is because, man, I, I went through eight years of school to get that ability. And I worked hard to train myself. This wasn't a gift from God. This was my own thing. Well, the Bible actually reminds us this in Deuteronomy 8. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength in my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Or James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, uh, heavenly lights. God is involved with our life far more than we think. That every good and perfect gift in our lives is a gift. And just as these servants didn't deserve this million dollars that they got, we don't deserve. But God pours out these gifts upon us, and he gives them so that we might use them. Now, you notice in this passage that not everybody got the same worth of money. One got five bags, one got two, one got one. And it says this, each according to his ability. And uh, you might look around and say, well, that person is so much more talented than me. They have to just, everything's so wonderful about them, but not me. But that doesn't mean that you aren't gifted. You might not be as gifted as that person, but you're still gifted. You see, even the person who got one bag of gold still has more than they did before, Amen. which was zero. <laughs> and even if you think that you're not the most amazing person, impressive person, you still have gifts. God gives each person according to his ability and, and, and therefore, we just need to be thankful because we all have more than we did. All these servants had more than they did. They had zero before. One got one, one got two. But, so they were to be thankful. Amen. This is the danger of comparison because often when we sit and we look at our lives and, and we look at other people, they always sometimes seem so amazing. But it's just not wise to compare. In fact, the Bible tells us, uh, this is Paul writing. He says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they do not show good sense. Or some translations have it, they are not wise. It's not wise to sit there and compare yourself to someone else because that person is gifted different than, different than you. I mean, it's like yellow comparing itself to red. 
No, you, you have a, you're a cool color for a reason, and you're a cool color for a reason. You don't look like each other. Different in the kingdom is really good. It is not wise to compare. But God is so good that he gives us what we can handle, each according to your ability. The person who got $7 million is going to carry more stress and potential for anxiety than the person who's got $1.4 million. And God looks out and he knows, well, you know, $7 million will kill you. That's just too much stress, too much anxiety for you. I know your ability. You are wired at a, at a $1.4 million ability. And, and that's a good thing. Because none of us needs excess stress. We have enough in this life. Uh, we don't need more conflict. I mean, and so God gives us each according to ability. And we just need to be thankful. And the reality is, as the kingdom principle states, that if you are faithful with a little, more will be added to you. So he gives us each according to our ability. And so the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now, that's pretty impressive. He gained 100% return. He takes his seven million and says he puts it to work. He's faithful with that money that he's been gifted with. And now he's got $14 million. That's pretty impressive. So also the two bags of gold gained two more. Again, 100% return. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And this can be a picture of maybe the return of Jesus. Because the Bible does say that everyone will stand before Jesus and give an account of whether they did good or bad in their body. That we are at. There is this accounting coming. But this also could just be the reality that all the time Jesus is with us. And all the time, in a sense, we are giving an account for those gifts because God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we want to be faithful with the gifts and talents and skills and beauty and power and influence or whatever he has given us. We want to be faithful with them. So the master returns and it says, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Again, 100% return, which is pretty darn impressive. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And again, this is a kingdom principle. When you're faithful with what you've been given, more will be given to you. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And then he says this, come and share in your master's happiness. Now again, we can look at this as future. We can also look at this idea as present. There is something that when you are faithful with the gifts God has given you, there is something about that that makes you happy, that adds joy to your life. When you are faithful with what God has given you, there is this infusion of God's happiness into your being. And God is, by the way, the most happy being in the universe. I mean, it says in his presence is the fullness of joy. And when you're faithful with what you've been given, that fullness of joy, it just tends to leak within you. And, and, and you just tend to be a little bit more happy of a person when you're being faithful with what you have been given. Whether that's money, skill, ability, all those different things that he can give us, influence, power, business, whatever. When you're faithful, it adds joy. We see in, in the life of Jesus, for instance, is when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. And uh, he hadn't eaten in a long time. The disciples, they go off to get lunch, 
And they come back, and, uh, and the disciples are urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. I mean, it's been a long time. You must be hungry by now. You must need to, your belly satisfied. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. The disciples, did someone bring him food while uh, we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. There is something incredibly nourishing about doing the will of God. There's something incredibly nourishing when you begin to use your gifts, talents, abilities, influence, or whatever for kingdom reasons. Whether that's in your business, or in your school, or in the church, or outside the church. When you begin to use your gifts towards kingdom reasons, and kingdom principles, and, and blessing and loving people, there is this, this nourishment that you receive. And often when I run into Christians who are just feeling like, I'm just so bored, and I'm dry, and I'm crusty, and it's just... I just feel, Lord, I mean, sometimes I'll just ask, hey, are you doing anything kingdom? Are you serving anywhere? Are you volunteering somewhere? Because there's something about when you're using your gifts, I mean, he's always flowing fresh water into us, but it's not going out, it gets stagnant. And it's awesome that uh, in so many ways that science is finally trying to, is finally proving what the Bible says, and they've proven it in, in this area that um, the Journal of Health and Social Behavior did this study about volunteers, and they found that volunteers, that their life satisfaction is improved in six different areas. That they're more happy, which is what the Bible says. I mean, you're infused with the Father's joy. You have greater life satisfaction. You have greater self-esteem. You have a greater sense of control over your life. You have better phys physical health. That they've shown over and over again that people who volunteer, they live longer. They're more healthy. Uh, depression symptoms tend to be lessened. Because you were wired to serve in the kingdom. You were wired not to just live for yourself, but to live for other people and to love other people and to put yourself out. And so I would just encourage you, are you volunteering somewhere? Are you caring for people somewhere? When you're at work, are you trying to think about others? How can I bless others and serve others and reveal the kingdom here? Because there's something that just infuses happiness. There's a nourishment from the Father that comes when you are faithful with the gifts God has given you. And he's inviting you, come, share in my master's happiness. And one of the ways we do that is by uh, being faithful with the gifts that God has given us. And so that was the guy with five bags, so the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Now that's not nearly as much as the guy who had five, who turned seven million into 14 million. He just had 2.8, which is like 6.6, .6, right? Uh, if I did the math right. Uh, that's not nearly, that's not even half of 14 million. But guess what the father says? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. <coughs> Do you notice the master said the exact same thing yeah. to this guy? He wasn't at a level five. He was just a level two. His ability wasn't a level five. He was just a little, his ability was a level two. But the father looks at him and says, you have been faithful. Well done. I'm going to give you more, and you're going to share in the master's happiness. You see, you don't have to be a level five. And you don't have to gain five more if you're just a level two. All that God is asking you to be 
is faithful with what he has given you. Uh, it's like a little kid. Uh, God is just saying, hey, just, just be awesome at your level. Don't compare to the level five, because you're not a level five. If you're, not, if you're level five, then do well at level five. But if you're just a level one or a level two, I want you to be awesome at that level. And little kids get this. I mean, little kid, I mean, I can just picture this kid. He's kind of cute. You know, lifting weights. You can just picture this kid. Man, I'm the strongest man in the world. You know, I'm awesome. But I tell you, there's a lot of people more stronger than him. But he's not like... Well, I might as well just give up because I suck because these people are so much better. I just well, everybody else will do it. I'm not like I can't do anything and just give it. No, they're like, he's awesome at his level. Amen. And this is what God is saying to you. Just be awesome at your level. Amen. You don't have to be awesome at level five if you're level three, but if you're level three, be awesome level three. If you just think, well, I'm just a point five, well, be an awesome point five. Amen. Because whether you made five more or two more, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to add more to you, and you're going to share in my master's happiness. And what often happens is when we compare and look around and say, well, that person is so much better, I just might as well not do it. No, God is saying, just be awesome with the gifts you have. You might think they're small. Well, be awesome in a small way. Just, just be really awesome at that level. Be faithful with whatever gifts God has given you. Well, I turn to third character. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put the, my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have, have received it back with interest. In other words, you, you could have at least done something. You could have at least done something. You could have been, maybe not awesome, but you could have been just like sort of kind of, kind of good and gave it to the bankers. And at least I would have got interest. Uh, I mean, but this guy did nothing. He takes these gifts and he takes them and he buries them in a hole. And we do that sometimes. With the gifts, those things that we don't deserve, he pours them out in our life and says, I've shaped you this unique way. You're different than everybody else because I have a role for you that looks different than everybody else. And I want you to be faithful with it. And we take that sometimes and we dig a hole and we bury it. And there are reasons for that. Uh, we can bury the gifts that God has given us. And I'll just go back. And he mentions one of them here. He says, I was afraid. <laughs> So I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And fear is one of those things that can cause us to bury our talents, gifts, abilities, influence, or whatever it might be. Fear can be very powerful. And for this guy, he was afraid, and so he buries his talent. Now, maybe the other two were afraid too. I don't know. But the other two did something differently. And I would assume the guy was seven million dollars given to him by his master was afraid. I mean, imagine, like back in those days, being a master and a slave in that situation. It's kind of a scary situation. And then <clears throat> the master gives you seven million dollars, which you've never had in your life, and maybe you even not know what you're going to do with it. But no doubt they were afraid. But they did something. The guy with two million, I'm sure he was afraid, but he did something. The guy with one, he was afraid, but he buried it. Yeah. You see, you have an option. You can take your gifts... And you can bury them in the ground, and you can live your fear. 
Or like the other two, you can take your fear and bury your fear in the ground and live your gifts. And that's what they did. Uh, the guy with five, the guy with two, no doubt were afraid. They go out and they bury their fear in the backyard and say, I know I'm afraid, but I'm going to keep that down here. I'm going to live my gifts. I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to be faithful with my gifts. I'm going to step out. I mean, have you buried your gifts because of fear? I mean, it is very easy to be afraid of what others are going to think, afraid of making a mistake, because every time you use your gifts, you're going to make a mistake. I make mistakes all the time. I mean, <clears throat> you make mistakes, but sometimes we can be afraid of making mistakes, thinking what other people, we might be afraid that, you know, this might go somewhere that I don't want it to go. I mean, there are a million reasons why we can be afraid. But again, you have a choice. You can bury your gift and live your fear, or you can bury your fear and live your gifts. Now, if you live your fear, you're, just, you're never going to get anywhere. This guy who buried his gift, he, he never gets anywhere. So back when we find it, he goes backwards. And sometimes we end up going backwards when we, we bury our gifts. I mean, we need courage. And uh, I think this quote uh, was maybe from Andy Stanley or something. I don't remember. I came out of a book somewhere. It just came out of my head, but I think I read it somewhere. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> courage is not the absence of fear. It is stepping out when you are afraid. I mean, sometimes we think, well, I can't use my gift because I'm afraid. And we think that everybody else who is using their gifts, they just must not be afraid. Uh, everybody who uses their gifts to the full potential is afraid at times. I mean, there are things I have to do that freak me out. I mean, uh, scary. I mean, there's always reasons to be afraid. And this is why we need courage. And sometimes we think, well, maybe I'll just begin to serve. Maybe I'll begin to use my gifts. Maybe I'll begin to use my money in the right way when I have no fear which means you're never going to do it ever. Courage is what you need. Courage is stepping out when you're afraid. I mean, if you weren't afraid, there'd be no such need for courage, right? Courage is when you step out when you're afraid. And God is saying to you, would you step out? I know you're afraid, but would you step out? Would you step out in your fear? In fact, do you know what the most common command is in the Bible? Well, I guess I gave it away, but... <coughs> <laughs> I mean, by far, the most common command in the Bible, we might think it's like love one another or, you know, read your Bible or, you know, something like that. The most common command in the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous. And we can keep adding those phrases throughout the Bible. It is everywhere in the Bible because God knows that we are often freaked out. But he wants kingdom things to happen. He wants your life to be blessed. He wants to use you for great things in this world. But the only way that happens is when you begin to bury your fear and release your talent. If you keep burying your talents and your gifts and your abilities and making excuses and being scared of failing or what are other people going to think or there's someone better than me so I can't do it, you just miss out. And God doesn't want you to miss out. Fear is like a brick wall. Uh, you come up to this wall of fear and you have a choice. You can jump over that wall and see what's on the other side or you can shrink back from that wall of fear. But here's the thing with fear. And again, I don't know where I got, probably you haven't taught me this, but uh, uh, when you go up to a brick wall of fear and you shrink back, they, they've shown this neurologically that, you're, it, that fear actually gets stronger. If you run up to your fear and say, well, I, I, I could use my gifts, but I'm going to shrink back in fear, it's like adding a brick to that wall. Every time you shrink back from your fear, it gets harder to jump over. Yeah. And so jump over before the wall gets too high. 
<laughs> just jump over, and, and, and God is there. When you begin to use your gifts, he catches you. When you begin to use your gift and you mess up, he catches you, and, and you learn. And it's such a beautiful thing to see how God shapes you when you just say, you know what, I'm going to be faithful with my money. I'm going to be faithful with my time. I'm going to be faithful with those gifts and talents and abilities and beauty and influence or whatever it is he has given you. I'm going to be faithful with that. It is amazing what he can do. Don't bury your gifts. Bury your fear. Another reason we can bury the gifts God has given us is because we uh, believe a lie about the character of God. And we see this in this text. The, uh, the servant says, Master, he says, I knew that you are a hard man, which means... Uh, the word means tough, harsh, mean. And maybe the master in the story was like that. But God's not like that. God is not a mean, harsh man. God is described in the Bible clearly that God is love. And some people say, well, what is love? I mean, well, we know what love is. And in 1 John 3, 16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The, the very def definition of self-giving love, that is who God is. And yet often we can believe lies about God. That I have to, if I use my gift, it's got to be perfect. Because God is perfect. And if it's not perfect, then I'm going to get in big trouble, so I just better not use my gift. You ever work for a boss like that? Like a perfectionist boss? That you, if you're going to do it, it's got to be perfect. You just walk around in fear all the time. And, and maybe there's something, well, maybe I could try that, but I might not do it perfectly, so I won't do it. Because I'm going to get in big trouble. A lot of people see God that way. They never step out and use their gift because they think if they don't do it perfectly, they're going to get in big trouble because God is this harsh, mean person. God is a God of love. And we are his kids. How do we treat our kids when they're learning how to do something? Whenever they're learning how to do something, they don't do it perfect, but we're like, ah, great, that's a good attempt. Let's, let's, let's get back on the bike and let's try again. I mean, this is what God does with our gifts. Yeah, we're going to mess up and we're maybe going to take people off at times because we don't use our gift right. But God picks us up again, and he sends us on our way. And it's always such a beautiful thing when you can conquer your fear, and you know who God is. When you know who God is, it gives you confidence to step out. Because you know he's going to be there for you, and you know uh, that he loves you. The other reason we compare our gifts is comparison. And we talked a little bit about this, but it's, the Bible says it's not wise to compare. You spend enough time comparing, it can chase you right out of doing anything. I mean, I struggle with that. I used to do more, not so much anymore. But, but I mean, I mean, there's such there's such amazing pastors out there. There's amazing teachers and amazing. I mean, you go on YouTube, it's like, wow, these guys are incredible. And and sometimes, if you think the wrong way, you say, well, I should just give up because I'm not that good. It's just an example. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't struggle with that as much as I used to. Uh, Take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. But, but we know what this is like. I mean, you might be here and say, you know, I've never served in this church, but I don't know what I could do. But I look around, all these people seem to be better, so I'm just not going to do anything. That's comparison. Comparison is not wise because what comparison does is it kicks you right out of life. And again, you can sit there and say, well, if I only was that, if I only had that, if I only had this ability, then maybe then I could actually do something. But again, God doesn't want to listen to your complaining. He's saying, what are you doing with what you have? And then the parable finishes up and says, so take the bags of, a bag of gold from him. This is the guy who buried it. He actually loses his bag of gold. And give it to the one who has ten bags. Four, here's a principle again. Whoever has will be given more, 
and they will have an abundance. Again, when you are faithful with what you have, more will be given to you. Not only did he double his amount, but he got an extra bag in the end. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And if we bury our gifts, our talents, our abilities, and we're not faithful, there are times when what you do have can actually be taken from you. For sure you're going to be robbed of nourishment. For sure you're going to be robbed of life. But there are times when the very thing you have is taken from you. And we, we see that in passages like in, um, in Haggai when the, uh, um, uh, the people are complaining. that It's like, where's my money going? It's like, they're like, it's like I have holes in my pocket. I'm working hard. And I'm working full time. But I just I never have any money. It just seems like it's gone. And the prophet comes in and says, you want to know why? Because you're not being faithful with the gifts God has given you. You're not being faithful with the money I've given you. So God says, I've blown it away. And if you're not faithful with the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the money, the possessions, the influence you have, there are times when it actually can be taken away from you. And you end up eating like a minus one. But again, it's the principle. When you're faithful with what you have, more will be given to you. And we see this all throughout the scripture. We see earlier in this text it said, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. In Luke 19, this is the version from Luke. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Or Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Second Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Uh, so again, again, we, we see this principle that when you are faithful with what you have, more will be given to you. Now, not that the promise isn't 100% fail-proof, because we know we're living in a broken, fallen world, and there's sometimes that we are faithful with it, and we seem to just doesn't seem to be increasing. But generally speaking, when you are faithful with what God has given you, more will be given to you. And we can illustrate this. I'm actually pretty proud of myself because for weeks I've been forgetting my object lessons at home. So I remember it because this one lives here. Um, <laughs> again, with the bags of gold, you are given a gift according to your ability. Some are like at one, some are at two, some are at three. But if you want to get higher in life or whatever it might be, the sphere, it starts with being faithful. Again, it does no use to say, well, I'm just a, a one. Man, if I were just a three, I could actually like bless people. If I was a three, you know, I could be impressive. If I was three, then God can use me because I'm just a one. You know, I, can't, I just can't do anything in life. And there's people who are better than me, so I'll let them do it because I can't do it as well. You're never going to get higher. You're just going to stay stuck. And if you want to stay stuck in life, I will tell you exactly how to stay stuck. Complain about your situation, blame everybody else, it's always everybody else's fault, uh, and, just, and you, just, you just stay stuck. Uh, again, 
The Bible does say to cast your anxieties on him. So if you want to complain, you complain briefly to God. He takes your anxiety away, and then you bury your fear, and you live the principles of God. Amen. So the way to get up is, I don't have much. There's a lot of things I can complain about, but I'm not going to complain about because I know God has given each according to their ability. So even though I'm just at a .5 or a 1, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful with my character. I'm going to be faithful with my finances. I'm not going to blame, and I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take every thought captive and make it obedient to, to Christ. I'm going to love people. I'm just going to be faithful with what I have. I don't have much, but I'm going to be faithful. Eventually, God will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I will bring you to the next level. And he brings you here. And, and again, you just be faithful here. Uh, you have a kingdom mindset. You love people. You're generous. You have a good, uh, strong uh, emotionally mature character, you're, 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 just, you're just faithful. And again, God says, well done, good, and he'll bring you to the next level. Amen. It's important that you're faithful. And it's important, especially that you're faithful with conflict and anxiety that comes your way. Because the reality is this. In pretty much most areas of life, the higher you go, the more potential for anxiety and conflict there is. I mean, to handle $7 million is a lot more stressful than to handle $1.4 million. And this happens in every area of life. I mean, uh, let's say you're single. I mean, there's stresses and anxiety for single people. Uh, but you can make a lot of decisions that are just like, hey, it's me, myself, and I, and, and Jesus. So, uh, but you go to the next level, you get married. There is a lot more potential for anxiety and conflict. Right? <laughs> there just is. Because you're one with somebody, and all of a sudden, uh, you need to consider someone else's needs above your own, as it says in Philippians. More anxiety, more conflict. You throw a kid in the mix, or two, right? More anxiety, more conflict. It's like there was any in business. I mean, you start as a cashier, a little bit of stress, but then they put you in like middle management or something. You're overseeing people, and now you got to start dealing with conflict and issues. But you're the boss of the company. And there, there's a lot more anxiety and stress. This happens in the church. You, you start here, maybe you start as a greeter at the door. I mean, there's little stresses and anxiety, maybe at greeting at the door. I mean, you've got to try to make people who don't smile smile. And uh, a little bit of stress. But then you're like, man, I, I want to move up. And maybe I want to do, the, I wanna do the, the sound booth. There's a little more stress and anxiety there. Because when you make a mistake, everybody looks back and wonders what's going on, right? Uh, and then, then, then maybe one day you want to become a leader or a pastor. Oh. Uh, you know, a big part of my job is, is dealing with conflict and anxieties of, of people. Uh, and this is the way it is in every area of life. And so if you want to rise higher in life, you need to be able to manage conflict and anxiety. If you are at level one and you're always freaking out about the conflict around you and anxious and, and you just can't handle life because there's so much anxiety, do you think God's going to bring you here? No. Oh, because you'll break. He's saying, I want you to be faithful with what you have. And I want to be faithful to you when that conflict comes your way. And I want you to be faithful when that anxiety comes your way. I want you to handle it and think about it in a kingdom way. And when you're able to handle it in a kingdom way, I'm going to advance you. And there's a little, oh, new anxiety, new stress, a new level. And, and you've got to learn how to be faithful. At this level of stress and anxiety and conflict, and then, and then God will, will raise you up. I mean, again, you, you do this with so many, maybe you're single, and you're like, man, I wish I just had a husband, or I wish I just had a wife, and, 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 but you can't even handle your own life. I mean, you're always stressed out and anxious and, and blaming everybody else, and do you think God's going to say, I'm going to bring a husband along into that mix? 
put our wife along in that mix. Nope. Learn how to be faithful as a single. And God's going to say, okay, let's advance you to the next level. And you can go through this a million, million times, uh, but the idea is be faithful with what you have given. Be faithful with what you have given. Don't bury your gifts. Don't bury your fear. Jeremiah puts it this way. If a racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on the open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? In other words, if you can't handle this, and you're not faithful in your character and your attitude and the ability to handle conflict, do you think God's going to advance you here? The crumble. Last story, and then we're done. First Kings chapter 17. This is Elijah. He went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. They were in a famine. She only had a tiny, little, weeny bit of food left, and this silly prophet comes by and says, hey, would you make me a meal? God was asking her to be faithful with what she had. Did she have a lot? No, she had nothing. Do you think she was afraid? Not going to make this meal, and now really is that happening? You bet she was afraid. But Elijah, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and all olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rains and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. She just had a tiny little bit left. The prophet says, make a meal to me. In other words, are you going to be faithful with that little bit? She was afraid. That's why Elijah said, don't be afraid. But she buries her fear and she steps out in faith. I'm going to be faithful with this little bit that God has given me. It's just a tiny bit, but I'm going to be faithful. And when she was faithful, she had food for the rest of the family. I mean, you might be here this morning and just say, I just have a little bit. I only have a little bit of time or a little bit of money or just a little bit of, you know, skill in this area. Be faithful. What are you doing with what you have? Don't complain. Don't blame others. Just say, what are you doing with what you have? Start there. Be faithful. And just watch how God begins to grow that. And, and it, again, so many areas of life. If you want to grow in, just be faithful. If you want to stay stuck, okay, continue to blame, continue not to do anything, and you'll just, you'll just be stuck. But God has so much for you. He wants to nourish you as he nourished Jesus when you do the will of God. So, Father, we pray. God, if there's any of us in this room who have buried our gifts, our talents, or abilities, or maybe we're just using them for selfish means, uh, uh, for selfish gain rather than to bless the kingdom. I pray, God, that you would just help us unbury those gifts. And they would take our fear, we'd stick it in the hole and bury our fear and begin to be faithful with what we have. I pray, God, you would teach us what it means to be faithful in character. God, that we'd be faithful in how we respond to others. 
How we be faithful when we respond to, to gossip and whatever might float our way. God, may we not be people who blame and complain, but people who say, I just want to be faithful with what I have. And God, I thank you for how you bless. I thank you for how you move. I thank you, God, for what you want to do in us.